You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, gals, how's everybody doing? Um, Plowing through another week here, getting some shows up, getting some content for you guys, something to fill the void before we get to July 25th, and we have real football stuff to talk about. Pete Smith along for the ride, your local experts on the biggest stories for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound here on Locked on Browns, brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Uh, look, it's you know it's the season. You guys see it. Uh, whatever, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everybody's away. They're doing stuff. Uh, don't be left out. Hotels.com, short trip, long trip. Check them out. Uh, you know, uh, get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Find a little way to make a a small, large, whatever it may be, some sort of memory that you can pack away from the summer. That is 2019. Um, Pete, we were just talking, obviously for you, things are about to get really cracking come Monday as you guys get to start to transition from, uh, you know, obviously, you know, workouts to finally getting on the field and getting some things done there. Uh, I know the coach and you, that that's where you got to get excited and that's where things for you really pick up. Uh, I, you know, it feels certainly more real at that point, I suppose, if nothing else, uh, you know, it means we're getting closer, which is certainly good. And, you know, uh, our players are hopefully, you know, excited to hit the ground running and, and sort of put all of their off season work, uh, to use and sort of start seeing what it looks like and all that good stuff, which is, uh, you know, that's, that's always good stuff. Uh, one thing I remember is I always remember, you know, and you, know, I always remember coaches. All right, let's see who's been doing it, and let's see who's gonna be who's been half-assing it. Um, so you know, that's always the you know, the fun part of it, and I do remember that. And you know, it, it's it's truth because you know some people are mailing it in, or some people make it look like they're doing everything. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, you're gonna find out soon enough. You know, who's been putting it in, who hasn't. And so you know, for you guys, and obviously the streets for our program. Wish you guys the best as you get to kick things off here on Monday. Um, I was actually messaging uh, Dan and Jeremiah, and I actually wanted to th- I thanked him today Dude, for doing what you're doing here with Twitter and dropping out these grenades for some player of the year. Um, said if everything breaks on a sack, maybe in his three season. Um, but now you talk about a guy. Look, I mean, the athleticism it's always been there, but obviously you know you see the the work is in. So he, obviously he's just getting stronger faster now you add in the experience he's got two years under his belt he's got i am not sure what i am kind of forgetting which games he missed his rookie year but now you've got you know you've got four games playing the Bengals. you've got four games playing the ravens you got you know close to four games playing the steelers you're starting to know these opponents that you're going to in obviously the games that matter towards winning a division title um, then obviously there's just the development of you know getting more and more comfortable in your body as it gets bigger, stronger, faster. Um, it, hopefully he'll be able to just be completely unleashed this year and, and hopefully use the whole arsenal. Um, you know, look, you know Aaron Donald, you know, it's still the house favorite. There's no doubt about that. You know, well, you know the clubhouse leader. But for people, uh, you know, outside of Cleveland, I think more and more people are starting to understand that we're 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 not just saying it because we cover the Cleveland Browns. Miles Garrett very well could end up it very well, and probably most instances, Pete, he should end up the best outside pass rusher in the NFL in 2019. Right. I mean, so much of if you're predicting he's going to get that that far along is, is betting on a few factors. First and foremost, his own development. I mean, it's you know, there's going to be very little if anything, that surprises him at this point uh, in terms of what NFL guys are doing. Um, you know, we, it remains to be seen. We will see, you know, wh- how much truth there was to the whole, you know, the idea that Greg Williams is holding him back. If he, you know, suddenly is uh, better and doing other things that he wasn't last year that suddenly, you know, make it easy, even easier for him. I think so much of it's going to be how well he can, avoid being blocked in the first place. It's going to sort of really allow him to go off in terms of those numbers. Uh, but the other part is going to be uh, Steve Wilkes moving him around, moving him up and down the line. It, because if, if you are consistently putting teams in like third and a long 11 or something like that, and you put Miles Garrett at the three with Jannard Avery and Olivier Vernon on the outside, 
then certainly there's going to be more plays to be had for Garrett. It's going to be much harder to get away from him. It's going to be, you know, the same reason that Aaron Donald's so good is you, it's very hard to avoid. Um, it's easier, albeit, you know, only slightly to avoid Miles Garrett when he's on the outside. But now you've got a guy who's, you know, basically 280 pounds. He's remarkably strong and lightning quick going against, you know, a lot of interior guys who may be as strong and as powerful, but aren't as quick. And, and obviously the first sack of his career, it looked like he was untouched. And, and being able to do those type of things and being able to add in stunts and those those elements to sort of mix things up, as well as having so many other threats around and improving your pass coverage all conspire to allow him to have, you know, a breakout breakout season. And obviously he had 13 and a half sacks. He was one half sack short of the franchise record. He should easily get that, but that's, that's the deal. If he, if all of these things sort of worked, work in tandem, then yes, he can be the defensive player of the year. It's, it's going to take, an unbelievable year because Aaron Donald continues to exist. Uh, and, and short of an injury, he's going to be in that neighborhood. But Miles Garrett has 20 sacks, a 20 sack season in him. He has the ability to potentially go after the single season sack record. He's just, he has that type of, he has all the tools and all the ingredients that can sort of allow him to get there. And he's, you know, he should be just entering uh, his prime in terms of where everything's sort of in place for him to really put up those big numbers. Um, exactly. We talk when we talk draft prospects. I mean, there's guys who are essentially Miles' age, you know, on the day they get drafted. Um, now with Miles, you, there's two years of experience in the books. Um, he's now going to go on to, uh, you know, a second defensive mind, a second defensive staff. And, you know, basically he can sit down with them. And, and this is going to be what is good for Miles is, you know, they can work together. You know, obviously with Greg Williams, it was a little different. You know, it was more, you know, obviously, you know, military and soldier. Um, you know, Miles, who is obviously a very, very intelligent dude, um, it can kind of work in unison. And, you know, well, you know, this is something I want to do with you, Miles. Tell me what you think about it. And, you know, you can't deny the fact that Miles is an intelligent kid and obviously understands the game, even though any free second he gets, you know, he likes to do some other things, which is good because, you know, you need to take a break from the game. Um, you know, sometimes too much ball is not good, and it seems like Miles is one of those guys. Um, also, you put together, though, now, I mean, when you talk about this, and we've obviously mentioned this NASCAR front you could do uh, with Gennard, with Olivier, whether you went with Sheldon Richardson, who made, you know, who only reason I would put Sheldon there and not mention Larry, Larry could place certainly find on that front is Sheldon does have the outside of ex outside experience so I mean these four could just literally stand there huddled together waiting for the offense to get set and then you know basically you know boom snap and all of a sudden oh, all right well Miles is over the left guard um Avery's over the left tackle Olivier's inside Sheldon's over the right there are so many different looks you can do with this because each one of these guys brings a ton ton of athleticism and that's the fun part. And again, here now, another, we got this out today, you know, another workout video of Gennard Avery. And my God, does he look thick. And anybody who's questioning whether or not, you know, Gennard Avery is going to take some linebacker reps this year, I'd be stunned because it really looks like they told him, go work on your pass rush, go work on D line work, bulk up, put more strength on. Because, uh, and we had mentioned this last, he just, he looks incredible and it's almost to the point where wow you cannot believe how much mass you're putting on that body but you know it, you know, look you know, you still probably would like one more plugger on the inside and maybe just a plugger because you know every now and then you kind of just need that big old dough boy in the middle of a d line but it's if you look at the five of these you know on their face and their core and what avery could do in his second year obviously now with some experience you know olivier where it's not just going to be him um, after Jason Pierre, Paul, uh, you know, Pierre uh, Paul moved on, and you know the Giants just kind of left him there as you know the dude with no help whatsoever. It's it's a crazy group, and I, I just I get so excited thinking about it. As much as Odell brings for me 
to you know the skill group and obviously even when you do get to when Kareem Hunt can play and adding all that it's weird for me to get this excited about a defensive line but man I mean the things you can do and if as long as the offense clicks where it's going to be 35 to 40 passing plays from your opponent sweet good it's it's just it's crazy Pete crazy well yeah I mean not only should it be you know that many passes but hopefully it's more situations where you can't where where they, you know they're passing and it's just your ears are pinned back and, and you're attacking from the word go you know it, it, and hopefully it, it, whether it's leads whether it's down in distances whatever that you are now putting that fear of god in the in the opposing quarterback on every snap because there's so much that can come at him on any on any given play and you know if they have the depth if they have the ability to move some guys up and down the line you know you mentioned the New York Giants but so much of this you know with with where Miles Garrett's at is hopefully you know certainly he's a, a substantially much more talented version but they, they use him a lot like Justin Tuck uh, in that where he was moved inside and a lot of those things where he, he just became you know a terror uh, and you still had the edge pressure from you know the end of Michael Strahan and the beginning of uh, Jason Pierre-Paul that just lets you just unrelenting pressure on those guys and and what it does to quarterbacks and 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 it's difficult to sort of you know represent in numerical form in terms of you know the impact but the fear factor is real and and after a while you you, you just get to a point you just don't want to get hit anymore. Uh, and that's a real factor that could come into play when uh, the, the, this Browns defense gets going. If, if they can perform the way we hope, and so much of that's going to depend on the secondary, but certainly Miles Garrett entering you know, what should be the peak of his powers for several years um, just, just takes this to a whole different level. I mean, it, the idea that it's going to be Miles Garrett, you know, hopefully – ascending to the you know whatever top level he's at and then adding a guy who could easily get 15 sacks across from him um in, in vernon is an incredible situation to be in yeah you know you look at obviously you know there's some quarterbacks on this slate you know tom brady obviously you know twice against uh you know ben roethlisberger uh you know andy dalton you know uh, still moves pretty well but you know, obviously getting older and there's some of these quarterbacks where, I mean, it's getting to the point where, oh, my God, these guys could end up looking like crash test dummies with the athletes you could possibly put, you know, in pass rush scenarios there. And, you know, obviously, again, you know, Larry is part of this, too, because, you know, Larry, you know, from a over a guard or in a guard center gap, um, you know, it, just so strong in initial first step. And, you know, okay, well, you know, if the guard's got a chip or the center's got responsibility, well, now you've got three freaking thoroughbreds with straight-up one-on-ones, which is it's just lethal at its face. And, I mean, if you're you know, the defensive line coach, obviously, you know, uh, uh, for, uh, up from Alabama, I mean, you just got to be licking your chops here because it's almost like, you know, if it's, you know, second and nine or third and seven, and it's, oh, man, just, I mean, you're just basically letting the animals out of the crates at that point. Tosh Lepoy has a big job, and it's one that, you know, it, it depends on, you know, I'd love to know more about it, but it's one I thought Clyde Simmons and Greg Williams really failed at in terms of understanding how to rotate and maximize your guys. And with Steve Wilkes and, and Tosh Lapoy, that has to be a thing. You know, you've got these guys in, in these in, in, in Garrett and in, in Avery and Vernon, and you need to find a way that those guys all are getting about 70 percent of the snaps. And that's easier said than done. That is a real challenge. But it's also something that has to be able to happen if you're going to, you know, if you're saying he's a really good, you know, obviously there's the teaching part and the energy part, which certainly he's not lacking for unless he's in front of a camera uh, being asked questions. Um, but that's the challenge is being able to find the right spots to move your guys in, make sure guys are staying fresh, being able to get a sense of how you maximize your pass rushes and how you have the best guys on the field for you know, as many situations possible so you don't get caught and you're as deadly as possible, as often as possible. Uh, and it's it, and, and it is a huge thing because 
if there's ever even a first half, and you know, Pete and I are always messaging back and forth during games, if the phrase "Where's the pass rush?" ever comes up, you need to go down there and almost like Three Stooges style, start smacking people in the back of the head because you're mismanaging the talent that you have somehow, some way. Um, and it, it, you know, literally just let them do what they do. But yes, that's the key. And if it's you know five guys who can play in those situations, most of the time you're only going to use four. So you do the math. You know, it's you know it's seventy percent to eighty percent for each of the five. And look, you know, all right, well, okay, you've been on the field for five to six. All right, get off for two to three. Next man up, and we'll flip it up here. And then after you know two or three more plays, don't let this become an issue because you can coach your. You can poorly coach this into being an issue when it should be pretty simple to not make an issue, but that will be, you know, and let's hope, obviously, with Tosh, who's coming from Alabama, where it's not like, you know, they're lacking for talent, and it's, well, I got to leave him on the field, because other than that, it's a undersized true freshman. It ain't that case at Alabama. You've got oodles. You just have to learn to management and, you know, pitch count for everybody. There's no reason you need to take, you know, if it's a 13-play drive for the opponent, which hopefully that never happens, there's no reason that any one of these guys should be on there for 12 to 13 plays. It's, it, you just don't need to get yourself in that position. Um, guys, uh, obviously, everybody, watch, you know, a lot of people watched the home run derby last night. Balls flying out of the park left and right. It was blowing up. Uh, you know, obviously at the, sta- at the stadium last night in the home run derby. If you want to get that same response in the bedroom, whether it's date night, whether it's Saturday night, whether you only have 15 minutes with your special one, um, bluechew.com. Uh, you want to hit bombs, you want to hit the long ball, check out Blue Chum, uh, Bluechew. Uh, they bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast. So you can be ready when any opportunity arises. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visit. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. So they are made in the U.S., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code CAPITAL. C capital O capital E a five dollars in shipping. That's Blue Chew B U E L L code code all caps to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Look, you could be a Peter Alonzo and be smart and use the survive in advance approach, or you could be the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and just say, I don't care who won this contest. A lot of people are going to remember my stinking name, and it just won't be because of my dad. Uh, thanks to Blue Chew for sponsoring Locks on Browns, and we will have more coming for you. Uh, we have some listener questions here, and the first one, and I actually have a name for this. Well, I mean, not a name, for, but for a scenario where something that worked out last year would have worked out perfectly maybe this year. Um, but with is there a positional group on a certain team or you know, a name that could leak out here or somebody that may be still on the market that all of a sudden you just can't turn down? Um, for me... Uh, if the Michael Kendrick scenario could play out again right about now, God, that would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and Michael Kendricks was going to probably end up maybe the, the way it was looking would have ended up the second best linebacker on this team last year. It was looking like it was trending that way. Is there somebody this year that could maybe trickle in here and it would be a really, really great addition late? Um, there's a couple, the, the one, the name I would keep an eye out on that could ultimately get released, uh, by his team. I don't think he'd come here, but he'd be a name would be Sean Lee, uh, for Dallas Cowboys. Uh, obviously, you know, he's a guy who's very, very, very good. Uh, but injuries have sort of hurt him quite a bit. Uh, he has missed a ton of time with, with injuries of various and they've uh, of various types and they've got. Uh, very, very good linebackers there uh, in Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. And maybe they're content to try to roll with those three. 
But if not, they may try to move on, try to get some cap relief, maybe a trade or something. But I can see Sean Lee being available. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking as I'm going to keep continue to look at teams with defensive line strength. Uh, Baltimore again um, added a bunch of guys. They'll have to release some. They they could again be interesting for the Browns. And the other team I'm keeping an eye on in that same vein is Green Bay. Uh, obviously, they made you know headlines th- this offseason by adding uh, Preston Smith to their defensive line. They added Rashawn Gary to their defensive line. Uh, they did a whole lot in that front. They also have guys that I, I liked coming out of their various drafts. Dean Lowry, a very athletic, short-armed dude. Tyler Lancaster was an undrafted nose tackle with tr- terrific uh, – measurables and productions that I highlighted as a target. If he gets released because they brought in Kiki Kingsley, the other guy from Texas A&M, James Looney uh, is a guy really like from Cal that's on that group. We we remember. We remember. So so there's a lot of guys on that Packers front that could potentially, you know, somebody, they they can't keep them all type thing. So if, if the Browns find themselves in a spot where they're unsatisfied with their defensive tackle depth, uh, as I already am, and I'm hopefully going to be surprised by how effective they are. That 15, there are fifteen months running now, <laughs> right? That there are going to be some potential options, and it's you know the, the only thing is going to be that you know the Browns don't have the waiver priority they did. That doesn't mean they won't be able to get guys. That, you know that doesn't mean they couldn't potentially trade for guys. Uh, but that is those are those are some guys that I'd be keeping out. The the, the Sean Lee thing is most interesting. I don't think he's going to be in Dallas this year. I think he's all going to get moved on, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up like, a, you know, in a team like the Patriots or something uh, because he is so good, but the injury situation, he, he could be a guy where, you know, if they're unsatisfied with Chris Kirksey for whatever reason, uh, they could try to bring an insurance or an injury happens. Again, I don't think it's likely he's going to be here. But nevertheless, I, I do think Sean Lee is going to be a guy who comes out available later in the process. Um, and it's always weird with the NFC East because like, it always seems like those NFC East guys, they just end up bouncing around the NFC East. You know, you leave one team, you know, you know Philly or New York, you trickle your way down to Washington, or, you know, you, you move on from Dallas, you find your way to, you know, the tri-state area, obviously down to D.C. With one, It's it's strange with that. It, it seems like a lot of guys, once you get in the NFC East, you spend multiple tours, you know, so to speak, into the NFC East. Um, so let me just check uh, the question there. Well, yeah, so this is from at Hoos, H-O-O-S-E underscore 10. Uh, yes, Baltimore still would have the positional group. Green Bay, uh, obviously, would have some guys there. Um, maybe, you know, Zettel could be a part of this, but you, you, maybe you're looking for one more. And for some of these guys, look, I mean, if this Browns D-line turns out to be what it could possibly be in 2019, it's a good thing to have, you know, be a part of. You could be, you know, have some pretty good production in what got to be, you know, what, 15 to 20 snaps a game and it could help you, you know, grow your career and obviously make yourself some more money. Um, uh, at NBC Baptist, um, and this is where it's a tough one um, because uh, with the two rookie linebackers, I'm not sure where either of them are ready to contribute yet. And also part of it is, though, is, you know, well, here's the question, and we'll go from there. Which rookie linebacker has the best chance to fill the Jamie Collins role? Part of it is, is you know, is there really a Jamie Collins role anymore as we move into a new defense? And you know, part of that is, is Wilkes likes to play a lot of defensive backs. Um, and we've talked about this, you know, maybe more of being Jamie Collins, Pete, if uh, Taki Taki can hit the ground running, so to speak. Maybe it's more Joe Schobert could become Jamie Collins where Taki Taki takes over in the middle. Well, I mean, you know, if, if you're talking about from what he was doing with the Browns, Jamie Collins was the Sam Blunt linebacker. And easily for me, Taki Taki is the favorite for me to contribute in that role. Um, it, 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 traditional Sam backer, you want a guy who's strong, aggressive up front, can take on blocks. And, 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 you know, make an impact on on the line of scrimmage by being able to sort of uh, hopefully move a blocker back 
to change where the, the run is going. Taki Taki has all those traits, um, you know, and then they've, they've obviously got Schobert and Chris Kirksey this year. But certainly long term, I think the, the, the hope would be that Taki Taki can be that Mike linebacker that he, you know, gets more experience and gets comfortable in pass coverage roles, but ultimately, you know, is there sort of to control the middle and then Schobert hopefully becomes the long term uh, will linebacker, which plays to a lot of his strengths and I guess uh, eliminates some of the concerns that people have with him if they don't think he's, you know, the sheriff in the middle in terms of being a hitter, which I'm sorry I don't get. But nevertheless, I, I think if you're tr- saying what would be the best linebacker scenario, I, I think if Taki Taki hits like he can, I think he will, then he and Schobert are the two best linebackers they could they could put out there. And but that's look, 2020 yeah, and um, and one thing, and this is just one thing I want to say. And you know, Mac Wilson, everything you see social media wise, this guy is putting in the work. Let's see how it translates. Um, but I, I will give him the credit for that. As much as I was not a huge fan of the pick, it seems like he is legit putting in the work. Um, look, some things can be look really, really good on social media, um, which is fine. But uh, you know, it's going to need to translate into practices, into preseason games. Um, but it looks like everything Mac Wilson wise, uh, you know, he, he's doing everything he can to, you know, hopefully, you know, tell everybody, look, that the fifth round pick for me didn't jive. And obviously, you know, we got a little negative feedback from Alabama. They thought he left too early. Um, so obviously a kid with a ton to prove, kind of similar to Antonio Callaway. We'll see how that pans out. Pete, uh, Duke Johnson uh, obviously moved on from his agent today. Um this is this is one of those. How do you take it? And I I do have something that I I got today that I'll get to. But go ahead. Um, it's interesting. I'm curious to know what uh, precipitated this. The only thing that stood out to me is the people who were insisting that Duke Johnson had some nefarious plot to make uh, uh, Luther Campbell or whatever his name is uh, tweet out negative things for him was one of the dumber. Uh, thinner conspiracy theories I've ever heard. Um, my guess is it doesn't really change much as far as Duke Johnson is concerned. It never felt like his desire to be traded was, you know, an agent uh, contrived issue. It felt like that's his own uh, issue with the team. And it, whether that th- this becomes a situation where he feels like a new agent can get him out faster or you know it just becomes a situation where he thinks you know there's a better opportunity with a new agent in general i don't you know that that that's unclear at this point i i i think until he hires a new agent if he goes like uh, rosenhaus or something like that then it you know it seems about a money thing uh for for after he leaves Cleveland, but I don't know. It, like, it, it remains to be seen. Like, I'm waiting for the other foot to drop before I can really read anything into this. Um, for me, and this is kind of, you know, I, I've, you know, I, I, you know, obviously with my Florida State fandom, um, I know a lot of people in the, you know, in the UF, Miami, Florida State community. Um, and with talking with them, what I gathered was Duke was not thrilled at all about Luther Campbell making this situation uglier for him. He was not happy at all. The here's where they kick I mean if you're not following along guys, Luther Campbell, former lead singer of Two Live Crew which were, you know, big for about a hot freaking minute and Luther C- Campbell still thinks he's somebody. His wife was Duke Johnson's agent. Um, I, you know, t- I've reached out to a bunch of people today who've had, you know, interaction with her. You know, they said, look, you know, she's kind of shady, which you'll hear about almost every agent. That's fine. But, you know, as far as, you know, looking out for her, uh, you know, her players and the people she represents, she's good at it. But this, Duke wasn't thrilled with this. This made Duke uncomfortable. And part of it is, is because Duke, and this is what Pete and I have said a million times, Duke was just almost conceding to it. Look, if this isn't working anymore. Obviously, um, five million running backs have been brought in since I've been here. Uh, so if this is going to happen, let's just let it happen and you know we'll move on. It's fine. Yes, and it, part of it is, is Duke would like to have a bigger piece of the pie. There is no denying that. 
And but the other thing I got is there is two ways this can work. And you know, as Pete mentioned, Drew Rosenhaus. If Duke Johnson hires Drew Rosenhaus as his agent, yeah, it's going to get even uglier, and Drew's going to be and uh, Duke will be out of here. There is um, Pete. Uh, Trey, uh, to, Dean, the undrafted free agent cornerback from Miami, uh, who's currently on the roster. His agent is Austin Peffinger. Austin Peffinger was a former fullback at the University of Miami, was a former teammate of Duke Johnson. He is now in the agency business. If Duke signs, if Duke goes this route, which seems like this guy is going to really quickly start to represent a bunch of the guys from the U, and it's and from all things I've heard of right now, he's a fine, upstanding young guy, really good, cares about his guys. He ain't about you know the shady side of it yet, you know, which changes with money, which you can say with Drew Rosenhaus. Um, if Duke goes this route, it's more about let's just play ball, let all the chips fall where they freaking may, and, and just go that. You know, so it's going to be interesting which what Duke chooses. Does he really need to choose a new agent right now? He doesn't. Uh, he's got a contract. He's got some good money coming to him. Uh, so he doesn't necessarily need to fill this void of who represents him right now. But there's two scenarios where that can play. But, yes, what Luther Campbell did and him popping off, no, Duke wanted no part of that. And think about it, guys. As long as Duke Johnson has been part of the Cleveland Browns, how much have you ever heard of him? How much has he really ever spoken? Was there ever an outlandish take? It's just not the type of style that Duke Johnson is. And you get a guy like Luther Campbell who thinks he's this big football savant or whatever when it, in, it, when basically he's a washed-up rapper, has been. It put Duke in a tough spot. And the problem is, and this always kind of what happens with some representation, is you get labeled by who represents you. And this is what happened to Duke, Pete. Right. Um, I think the the specific thing that, that uh, would have you know, sort sort of put this in motion to to end this relationship was when Luther Campbell started tweeting at Baker Mayfield. I mean that, you know, there there there's only one way for that to end, which is ultimately Baker Mayfield claps back and it becomes a big thing and everybody does what they were doing, which is immediately making Duke at fault for something he had nothing to do with, or you get to training camp and what happens? You get you get oh well, we'd like to talk to Duke. And he comes out, and then it's, well, what what do you have to say about this guy making tweets or whatever, saying such and such? A, like, he doesn't want to do that. That's not who Duke Johnson is. And and, and part of the reason, the, I've always felt Duke Johnson is a very good barometer for the locker room. He doesn't say a lot, but he says, a, or I should say, he says a lot without saying a lot. Yes. He, he, he He's very good at sort of communicating a sense of where he think, thinks things are uh, without saying much. Uh, so, yeah, I can totally see that side of it where he just wants, you know, somebody's going to look out for his best interest. And it wouldn't surprise me if he hires uh, Pettinger. By the way, that'd be great for me. He likes to search out tweets, and uh, he likes stuff I said about Dean. Um, so that wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. If, if he's a take-care-of-business, low-key dude, then that may be exactly what Duke wants. Uh, you know, if he goes with somebody like a, a Rosenhaus or somebody like that, I, which doesn't seem like a Duke thing for me. It's just something a lot of Miami guys have picked up with is that, uh, you know, Drew Rosenhaus doesn't get paid until he gets a new deal. So he's always going to be pushing to try to get a new deal one way or the other. Which just um, makes the situation at this point, then it would be, look, if I can get a freaking third string kicker, let's get him the hell out of town because you don't want the headache that Drew Rosenhaus is. So if nothing else, this whole thing sort of suggests that, um, that first and foremost, Duke doesn't want this to be a thing, never wanted this to be a thing, other than he was saying what he was answering question, he was telling people something they already knew. Uh, and and the rest of this is he's gonna be a professional. And what is he doing? The professional thing, because he's always been a professional. He has no reputation for this, uh, for being anything else, which is why it was so obnoxious for people to immediately jump to the conclusion that he's you know, quote unquote, bad guy, crybaby or whatever, because that's he's been nothing but the type of guy you'd want on your football team. Uh, and I don't see any reason for that to change. And and it's you know, I don't I, I don't think a new agent will 
likely change his relationship with the Browns organization, but it doesn't hurt either. And at some point, maybe there's an olive branch uh, from John Dorsey, if there wasn't already, uh, after after a certain Sunday, um, that maybe they do come together and sort of figure things out. I, I, I assume the plan, which could change, uh, given the, 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 the part of that plan was with that agent, um, that that maybe a new agent changes sort of where things are at. But my guess is it doesn't. It just he wants it to be quieter and not to be a distraction uh, the way people are trying to make it into. Well, well, for me, I, I think part of it also is this is maybe Duke extending an olive branch. Look, let's roll with what's here. I mean, and look, I mean, you'd be a fool to not be in that Browns locker room. And Duke has been there for the shittiest of times. He's not blind. Football players know football players. He's looking around. Look, this this product's okay. We're pretty damn good. Um, and here's the other thing: is you know we really only have one proven running back for the first half of the season. I have confidence in what I can do. Um, so maybe it's more you know a, a little bit also on his part is like if you know if this led to me being a headache which I've never wanted to be. And look, there were times where any one of these people during any one of these players during 0-16 could have been a legit problem. And even Miles Garrett as a rookie, like, look, this is a crap show. This is embarrassing. I haven't seen anything like this in my life. And, you you know, you only had, you know, David Ajoku where Rich Eisen kind of coaxed it out of him that basically said, look, we felt like we were being treated like crap, even though we're young and really young as pros in this league. We see what's right. We see what's wrong. And so, you know, and Duke is certainly doesn't, you know, come in off any way as a guy who wants to upset the apple cart, tip the apple cart. So this is hopefully, you know, for me, it looks like it could be a sign of better days ahead. Um, and for what and what I'm being told, you know, the way this is going to go, this should be good for Duke in the long run. Look, he's got a nice contract. He's been a, being paid a good amount of money for what's essentially going to be, a, you know, a piece of what is a good running back unit and you know look first things first don't upset the fact that you get you're making good money you're on a decent contract so enjoy that but also enjoy and understand the fact that you could be a legitimate part of this which is a beautiful thing and look if 2020 they've got to move on from some people and maybe Duke becomes one of those guys then um and the other thing is you want to enhance your value right now i mean you want to show people in whatever limited opportunities are that you are a solid productive player in this league so that's uh you know the Duke Johnson scenario and some stuff i was able to acquire today um Ways to help Pete, ways to help me. Um, ways to help Pete, uh, Browns Maven. Um, go ahead, sign up, be a member over there. You know, the articles come out, you know, uh, respond. You know, you can talk over there. That does help Pete. Pete's putting out constant work every day with the video pieces, uh, you know, with the audio applied with it and everything. Uh, you know, it, it's great now you're getting player profiles. We'll be able to get a little bit more in-depth once camp opens over there. So check that out for Pete over there. Make sure you're following at Browns Maven. Uh, make sure you sign up for a maver, uh, membership over at brownsmaven.com. Uh, for the show, uh, iTunes, rating reviews, whatever podcasting app you use, uh, you know, go ahead and make sure you're subscribed. You know, places where you can comment, places where you can give a rating. Please help us out with that. I appreciate it. And thank you all so much. Uh, you know, you know, you guys contributing here. And I was actually talking with some other, you know, podcasting folks, Cleveland-wise, and just in general today. And they, some were just like, wow, it should be an incredible year for you. Look, it was an incredible year last year, guys. Um, the possibilities of what could be for this this team, you know, and this show which covers this team for 2019. Yeah, I mean, I understand how cool and exciting it could be, and I, I, I'm giddy about it. But look, we just enjoyed talking about it anyway. The fact that there could be some substantial success that comes along with it, just, I mean, that's just gravy at this point. We got a couple more questions to get here too, and again, as always, I appreciate you guys. And it's great to see the responses so quickly when I put these things up there. Um, Unicorn Killer at MBC Baptist Pete, can Greg Robinson outperform what he did last season? Yes, my and, and my belief is he will, um, and that's that's for a few reasons. And I did an article; feels like forever ago. Um, Look, here's the thing. Greg Robinson went from a guy who was here trying to sort of 
get his career back on track to into the starting lineup to playing well enough to get a another year uh, at a lucrative contract for him. So there's no guessing. There, there's not who's going to be the left tackle. It's Greg Robinson's job. Uh, so first and foremost, He's going to have all the reps. Keep in mind the shit show that was last year where he had basically no reps uh, and, and was sort of thrown in there to sort of figure things out. Uh, he's got all the reps to figure out, get comfortable with Petonio next to him and all those things. Uh, he should have more confidence uh, by virtue of the fact he has, you know, he has quote unquote pelts on his wall from last year. He has success he can point to. And be, you know, build off of. He should be, uh, as opposed to worried about or, or being concerned about, well, what are the, you know, what happens if they, they put this, the other jackass back in on the field? It's, this is, it's me. I, you know, if I, if I miss a play, I'm, I, I, you know, I've got to come back and make the next one. So I think those things help. In addition to just, you know, I think the work he's put in himself uh, you know, with, with offensive line performance and that stuff. I mean, he is massively strong uh, and hopefully he's, his, his balance has improved. That's my biggest issue with him. Uh, but his, his, he's light on his feet uh, out of his stance, which is very good. It's about what happens next and not getting beat on those inside moves and being able to sort of, he doesn't really do the slingshot thing, but basically forcing uh, opponents to go up the field, try to go around him because he's a big guy uh, so that Baker Mayfield can step up in the pocket and succeed that way. And hopefully his run blocking gets better. And if he gets back to, you know, being a dominant run blocker, then you're really going to have fun with Greg Robinson. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to be better. I still don't think he's in the plans after this coming season. And I, I, I'm still hoping we get to a point where basically both sides shake hands after 2019 and, and he gets a successful contract somewhere else. The Browns move on and find their left tackle in the draft next year, and or 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 Bretonio or whatever, and both both sides basically leave leave after the season separate and basically go their, their separate ways, very happy with with what with the situation. Oh, uh, and, and look, I, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the run blocking because look, that was his bread and butter when he came out of Auburn, and he took a lot of heat. Obviously, you know, as he struggled, it is you know first three you know in his first couple stops, obviously with the Rams with uh, the Detroit Lions, and it, it wouldn't, if he had stayed another year coming out as a redshirt sophomore as an offensive lineman sometimes is very, very difficult. It wouldn't, he really wouldn't have gotten better because Auburn, the program they ran, a lot of it was predicated on the run, so it's not like he would have gotten much better if he had stayed at Auburn because there just wouldn't have been the reps there. Um, so he needed the reps, and obviously, you know, if as the number two overall pick, he was basically fed to the Lions and just wasn't ready. And this is where, obviously, O-line performance and LaCharles Bentley came in. A number one, get your body right, and, and, and that's where that worked out. Uh, the pass blocking last year, that was the surprising part. That had improved. We, you know, me and you, I, you and I, I remember a bunch of shows, and it, you were almost like scratching your head, like, well, it's weird when he's whiffing on run blocks or he's, he's not getting where he needs to be because he's in the shape that he should be and this was always what came easy to him um you know but it, it, where who he's working with and, and to improve his crafts um they're no fools they know where the weaknesses are so hopefully we see a better concentrated effort that way um you know drew forbes you know maybe could possibly be a guy who ends up you know maybe a guy in the wings or you're going to draft a left tackle in 2020 um because you know, you're going to have to start saving some money somewhere but also it comes down to, and this is what we talked about with him and Brashard Perriman, is you love the fact that, you know, you brought in some guys who, you know, had found zero success in the NFL. Uh, you gave them a new home. You gave them an opportunity. And you know, here they were, basically no names. And, you know, they righted the ship. And then, Pete, you know, when your teammates vote you the most likely to destroy a competitive eating contest, we like that. Yeah, I can only imagine how many calories Greg Robinson needs in a day to sort of just maintain what he is, let alone doing Gotta it for be fun. What, 10? 10,000? Yeah, I, I assume he's somewhere in that neighborhood. I what's can only what's your dinner? Uh, two 16-ounce steaks, a couple of baked potatoes, and the veggie, the greens of my choice. Right. Like, I don't think he, you know, he's not Joe Thomas, where Joe Thomas was a guy who had to, like, force-feed himself to maintain that weight. But at the same time... Yeah, he doesn't he, have, like, the basketball player build, no. 
No, he he's got that uh, the exomorphic body type, uh, but uh, at the same time, you, 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 there's still a, a massive amount of calories you need to to keep the engine fueled up. So it wouldn't surprise me if he he does real well uh, in that in that format. Just first, you know, I I can't speak to how well he he, he his his jaw movement or his jaw strength or any of those things are, but. Uh, just, just sheer need, and then you add in the the element of fun. Like he's, I mean, look, he's not a guy, you know, you want to you want to go to the dinner table with because you know he may he may not only eat his, he may eat yours. Uh, he's just that that massive a human. Uh, so yeah, I, I could totally see it. Uh, look, he can eat mine as long as he'll pay for my six or seven Miller lights in the Uber to get me home. By all means, Greg. You know, we'll sit down with you. And Pete, but here's also the other thing, though. This is going to be the first off season of Greg Robinson's life as a professional, where everything he attacks this year and everything he's done, he's doing it with some confidence. And it's it's not about you know how I can survive in this league. It's now how do I go from being a good left tackle to a great left tackle, and, and that's going to be the fun part, you know, because, you know, we, we had talked about this, you know, with the, you know, f- you know, we, we, with the comeback player of the, you know, for me, it was, you know, can we just get Greg to come back to the player he was in 18? But this is, this is the, this is the first off season in Greg Robinson's life where he's not having whispers behind him. You know, look, he's good enough to be a starting left tackle in this NFL. Now it's working with the, how do I get, you know, how do I go from being mentioned as a good enough left tackle to be a starter in this league to being mentioned as, you know, one of the better left tackles in this league or, you know, or a guy who the light finally went on for? Because it's not like Greg is one of these older guys. Greg's a pop. He's not very old. No, and again, I think I, think, I, I attribute most of his issues to balance, uh, both in, in the issues where he gets beat on pass protection and where he's missing blocks in the running game. Um, pad level tends to, you know, can get high. Uh, and then if he's off balance and he's trying to hit a moving target, that's, that's that much more difficult. So, I, I, you know, if he can improve that, I don't know how much room he has to sort of grow in that area. But just sort of conquering his body as much as possible is going to help. You know, it, so much with, with Greg Robinson, it's not a question of, you know, how much ability is in there is how much of his physical ability can he, can he sort of apply to the football field? Like if, if he gets you, uh, you know, if you're run blocking and he gets to you, you're gotten like, you're not, you're not going to win. He's just a massive human being. Like if you're 200, you could be a 270 pound defensive end and he's still got, you know, upwards of about 60 pounds on you and (laughs) ridiculously strong. You know, and if he blocks down on you, you're you're blocked down. Like there's not a lot you can you, if you get if you get hit by him, you're going to stay hit. It's just a question of can he make sure he gets to all of those targets? And some of that is is finding the ability to sort of uh, you know uh, to- not tone it down, but like gear down to make sure you land the block and not worry about the kill shot that, that all that work in the weight room and your just sheer muscle will take care of it. It's about making sure you hit it. Uh, but yeah, that and the, his attitude as a pass protector can be very good in terms of the fact he's not passive. Like he's very aggressive, which is good, but it's just the balance issues are the only things I, I watch for and, and worry about with him. But like, even like building the Browns when they show, show him kick slide out, it looks his, his ability to move uh, to uh, press off his plant leg into into his kick slide is is pretty damn impressive. Uh, you know, and th- we're talking about a very very large man, and part of it also may be you know starting to get more comfortable within that body, and that's you know, part of you know what LaCharles Bentley's been doing is you know shaping the body better to make sure the athleticism you know can still remain as he goes from a 21 year old kid in this league to now 25 26 years old. But I mean, you look, it could you know Greg Robinson. Could just be what we saw last year. There could be a dip. He could be even better than he was last year. It's a mixed bag, and it's it, it's going to be one of the one of the more interesting guys to watch as this 2019 season unfolds. Because you know, it's a number one. I always love a guy that shakes off the bus label. But the question is, is you know, how far can he shake that bus label off? So that's going to be a fun one for me. Um, from go ahead. Well, I was going to say with with, with them moving on from Seitler. They're going to have a right guard who can pull. So you should be able to make a living off of Greg 
go ahead and block down. We're going to pull a guy or two guys or three guys and just run behind you and simplify things and just beat the hell out of the three tech or nose or whatever and just let him hurt humanity that way. Exactly, and you'll find that guy laying on the ground behind where the you know the right tackle originally originally lined up. Um, it, there's a lot of fun you can do with it, and you know, it, Greg is for me is definitely one of the more interesting guys that you know I'm looking forward to to follow for the 2019 NFL season. It's you know a number one getting it back together, getting yourself right on the on, on the right path, and how far can you take it? From at Kyle Quinlan three, in this I. You know, if this was brought up maybe three months ago, I would have thought you're nuts. But we're talking about the workout numbers and the workout videos, you know, what you're seeing on Gennard Avery. Pete, is it that crazy to possibly think that a higher sack total between Avery or Olivier Vernon could be Gennard Avery? I don't think it's crazy. And Hey, Kyle. Um, Pete knows I, Kyle? He does. Okay. Uh, it's not crazy, but I still think it's long odds. I think a bit. I think. Look, I think Gennard Avery can hit ten this year. I do. But um, it's at bats also, though. That's part of it. I think largely what you're betting on here is how many games you're getting out of Olivier Vernon. I think if you get 16 games out of Olivier Vernon, he's going to get about 15 sacks uh, just by virtue of what's here. Um, but yes, that that's it's not crazy. But the fact is, the Browns could have three guys with double digit sacks, which is, which is great. Um, that, you know, they could be a team that flirts with 40 as a team. So it's not crazy, but I, I still think you have to say that Vernon is a heavy favorite. And it, I mean, it, like if, if you could find a, a way for, uh, somebody to take bets on this, I think you could get some nice odds on, uh, on, uh, Gennard Avery and, and, and could win, win a nice little uh, amount of money. If you, if you hit that, I, 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 it could happen, but again, I just think Vernon is a is the favorite. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just going to say because he's going to get the most swings. Um, look, but there could be times here, and you know, if things go right, and you know, the record is okay, and you know, Olivier Vernon, who does get his dings and bumps and bruises, and look, man, I'm not going to throw you out there at 80. percent I don't need to. I got other guys. So, I mean, you'll see it play out. But, look, I mean, Gennard Avery right now is doing everything to basically say, look, I'm coming at this like a man possessed. And it's, you know, Pete, you know, and kudos to you. You had him as the top 50 overall player. Um, And somebody today, you know, when the video came out, I made the comments on it. And, uh, you know, I don't understand how he was in the fifth round because, well, the problem was, you know, some viewed him as too thick to play linebacker. The athletic numbers kind of back that up. Some people viewed him as too small to play, uh, too short, I should say, to play as a pass rusher. Um, look, he's blown all of those narratives away. Look, I, I don't think he's a linebacker. And as you all know, what did I scream about in the 2018 offseason? Hey, can we get like an Elvis Doomerville type of guy? Um, you not only got an Elvis Doomerville Dumer, guy, you got a better athlete. And you got a stronger dude, and you know Gennard Avery. It's you know Pete always loves the chef's kiss. That is a draft choice. The chef's kiss by all means. Pete, anything we've missed? No, I, I mean there, there's stuff there's stuff that we don't want to get into, and part of it is we don't have enough information, and it's just we're tired of talking about it. But Kansas City, <clears throat> cough cough, and we'll just leave it at that. Right, like when we actually have something, we'll, we'll get into it. As we've talked about before, it's probably going to end up being its own show, which I'm not afraid to do, and I'm, it's not something I'm. And maybe about. you guys, and maybe you guys will understand it a little better if it's not a guy who's currently wearing a Cleveland uniform, because I, I get that sometimes. You know, look, some of you, if it's Cleveland Browns related, you don't want to hear the negative. I understand. I truly do. I get it. But you know, there's that is whatever's going on with that entire situation. There's some subject. There's things there that pete and i just it pisses us the freak off but for right. now there's nothing to comment on that's that's a thing that's going to keep going the other thing that is actually notable is is uh glover quinn went ahead and retired this uh, today uh 10 years uh nice career. most recently with the lions he was one of jeff risden's favorite guys uh there he was very good for them uh so you know Kudos to him on, on, on a nice career. It seems like he's going out at a, a good time for him. Uh, and, 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 you know, Mazel Tov on, on, on a decade in the NFL of, of, of pretty good play. 
Oh uh, yeah, definitely. And um, one thing I wanted to get to from earlier, where you know, players who could become somebody available here late in the thing, there's still this whole freaking Trey Boston thing, Pete. And you know, eventually this guy's going to sign somewhere. And look, it's not going to be for. It's going to be for you know, essentially meal money at this point. I uh, you know. Here's what here's what I'm worried about with Trey Boston. Trey Boston agrees to terms with Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what I'm worried about yep. right now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm fascinated. It, it's he's a good football player. Yes, uh, and he has. And the thing why I keep bringing it up, Cleveland wise, is he's a guy who has a history not once but twice with the current defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Right. So. It, who knows? Maybe there's a you know, and I, we I've talked about this sort of with Eric Berry, the idea that there could be a you know, a hush hush. Yep. Uh, we'll see you. We'll we'll, we'll revisit. We'll see you when you're ready. Right. That we've got to sort of we've got to muddle through a bunch of these other safeties and figure out which one we want to bet on before we bring you in and sort of get you ready to start type deal. And and maybe that's the thing that happens with Trey Boston at some point. I don't know. That certainly uh, certainly. That could be a really nice uh, late ad that gives you just that little bit more juice. Certainly, it would make me feel better about the strong, the uh, safety position uh, this year. That would be a really like if, if you if you're saying you know it's 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 third and ten and your your base secondary of four guys is Greedy Williams and uh, and Denzel Ward on the bo- the boundaries with uh, with. With uh, Demarius Randall and Trey, Trey Boston as your safeties, like you feel pretty good about that situation. So, you know that's one of those things. Fingers crossed that that that, that could be in the plans at some point. Uh, that it's just a question of, you know, when it makes sense for Trey Boston to agree, and when it makes sense for the Browns to agree relative to what they're trying to figure out with the guys they have on the roster currently. And and that is one I, I go with. I mean, because you know, look, would I feel better? With the Trey Boston, would I feel better? My feelings on Eric Berry, it's just the money. Because, you know, it's the availability. And, you know, obviously Eric, I mean, he's been through so much. Um, it's little. It, it's one thing, the injuries. It's another thing, obviously, you know, you know battling a, a cancer battle. And there, and it's what exactly you're going to get out of him. But it just seems so weird with Trey Boston. And the first thing you think is maybe Trey Boston is kind of a dick. Um, because it seems really late in the game that nobody can find two and a half, three million dollars to bring in a really good football player, Pete. Either that, or he, he's just very set on a number, and he's not getting it, and he's not at a point now. Uh, well, I sign he, now. Maybe I'll right. wait for an injury where all of a sudden now I hold the cards. Right, or or if he if he's going to come off that number, it's going to be you know conveniently after you know most of training camps over with, where he can get in there. Uh, may not feel like he needs you know to go through all the camp stuff. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be the first, won't be the last. Well, especially so, if it was Cleveland, because we'd be like, oh, Steve, what's going on? How are you, buddy? Right. Yeah, all right, I know this. Right, so that's another potential benefit for him. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to read that. He, he could be a dick. His agent could be a dick. You know, it could be just a, a complete market oversight, which certainly happens. Uh, you know, there are a number of ways that this could sort of work out and, and just be completely a nothing deal when, when we look back on the season. But certainly he's a guy sitting out there in a position that the Browns could use. So, you know, he is certainly somebody to keep an eye on. And, you know, I mean, the other thing is it makes a ton of sense because, you know, maybe, uh, you know, obviously with Burnett, you're not sure where you're with that, that with there, um, Eric Murray can be multifaceted. It's, it, there's still something there. There is still something there. Uh, Pete Brown's Maven, latest in the hopper. Right. So today, obviously, I did the Jalen Thompson thing tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's Which we'll have, that, we'll have that verdict tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that happens uh, early afternoon tomorrow. Uh, but tomorrow, uh, the thing I've Apparently, got... Green Bay is very interested. They actually brought him back to their facilities. Oh, oh good, good on them. Tomorrow, uh, in honor of his 23rd birthday, I've got something for the Chiefs. So, uh, David Njoku, uh, going for him. Obviously, I, I think there are people still selling him very short. I think he's in for a breakout season. Or certainly... Well, again, always trying to get guys out, and another guy <laughs> really broke out of that and got him somewhere better. 
So that's that's the dream. And uh, from what I'm gathering, David Njoku is actually hosting a camp here from where I grew up in New Jersey. And, and good for these guys for that. You love to see these guys trying to get back to the community. So, you know, obviously fantastic for David for that. But, guys, make sure you are, you know, checking out everything Pete's doing over there. Uh, follow at BrownsMaven, BrownsMaven.com. Like I said, make sure you sign up. Be a member over there. It, it's good stuff. And the other thing is you get, like, shorter, condensed version and Pete certainly isn't short on the talk, and you get, you know, similar to what Pete says about Duke Johnson, uh, says a lot without saying a lot. So uh, make sure you're checking those out. Uh, make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself at Locked on Browns, all lowercase. Uh, throw a follow over there. Uh, a lot of you guys have gone to the DM route for communication and stuff. I appreciate it. I have no problems returning him. Um, if you guys are going to put up with us for you know an hour almost every day, the least I can do is you know work with you folks there. So thank you for everything on that front. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, throw a follow over there. Um, again, it, it cannot be more appreciative um, to have this many people interested in the Cleveland Browns in the middle of July while the All Star Game, the Home Run Derby, all of this is going on, and you know. I guess thanks to the Cavs because, you know, obviously they're in a tough spot right now. But you got a whole bunch of, you know, you kind of look at the Cavaliers as similar to where the Browns were in 17. Um, hopefully a little better leadership with Mr. Beeline in town now. Um, so you obviously look at that and see where that's going to go. But for all the fact that you guys are all this interested in the Cleveland Browns right now, uh, A, I hope it's somewhat for what Pete and I are doing. Obviously somewhat it is because where everybody feels this team is going. Again, thank you all for that. Uh, we're going to continue to pound it out here as we get closer and closer to the 24th with players arriving for camp, 25th first practices, and just thinking about all the talent that's going to be in this building. It's it's crazy. It's it's crazy, and you know, if it's not now, when? It, it, that's where we're at, Cleveland Browns-wise. Uh, with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB.